Uh, morning, everyone. All right. Uh, so, as Paul, Paul's done my first paragraph for me, which is very kind. Thank you, Paul. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're in our devoted series. Uh, we're looking at how we can live lives that are devoted to Jesus. Um, and today we're going to look at belonging. So we're going to look at what the Bible tells us about how we can belong to Jesus um, and what belonging to him looks like and what belonging to his church looks like particularly. Um, so we're gonna, belonging is something that we naturally want to feel as people in the world. People like to belong. Um, we want, feel like we want to fit in. We feel like we want there to be a place for us. Um, in our culture, that particularly takes a sort of uh, form of people trying to find people who have got something in common with us or people who are like us. Um, and that kind of wanting to fit in influences loads and loads of our behaviour. So it impacts where we choose to live, what schools we try to send our children to, um, what clothes we choose to wear, what TV we choose to wear. Uh, we also like to feel like we're part of something greater than ourselves, something bigger. So it's why um, when I go and watch my team play football, I don't just wear my normal clothes and my normal face of disappointment and being let down, um, but I wear my scarf. Um, it's why people buy a T-shirt from their favourite band or their favourite television programme. Um, it's why people from Yorkshire are determined, whatever else anyone says, that Yorkshire tea is the, by far the best tea in the world. Um, and why people from Cornwall will look at you with complete disdain if you try and put cream on your scone before jam. We like to belong. We like to feel like we're part of something that's bigger than us, or we like to feel like there's people who are like us. So... That's belonging in the world. Today we're going to look at what belonging looks like in the Bible. Firstly, how do we belong to Jesus and his church? And then, what does that belonging look like? Um, and we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses, uh, and we're going to start at verse 12 to look at that. So, if you've got a Bible with you, well done. You go to the top of the class. Um, if you haven't, you'll have to listen to me um, or look up at the screen. Um, so, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, and it says... Uh, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though, all, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptised by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense, sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part... Where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and given greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, 
but that its parts should, be, should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. So, we want to, um, we're looking at belonging, um, we're looking at belonging to Jesus. How is it that we can say that we belong to Jesus? And is there a way that we can feel like we really, really belong? Uh, to feel like we're totally at home and not slightly on the edge or slightly on the periphery. I wonder whether some of us actually over the last year or so have felt a little bit like that. Maybe um, if you're at home, maybe you're feeling a bit on the edge because you're not here with people. Um, I really felt as I was preparing this that actually that's something that maybe quite a lot of us are starting to feel a bit on the edge, a bit like we don't quite belong in the same way that we used to. Um, So how do we belong to Jesus? Well, Paul says in verse 13, he says, we were all baptised by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. So our belonging comes as the result of our baptism, our baptism by the spirit. In other words, we can belong for one reason and one reason only. We can belong not because of what we've done or because of what we've not done or how often we've seen people or how often we've attended meetings um, or because of the type of person we are or the type of person we aren't. We can belong because we've been baptised by the same Spirit. Paul makes it clear by emphasising we were all baptised by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. He's emphasising there's no tears to this belonging. There's no such thing as feeling like you belong more or less than anyone else. There's no platinum club, there's no VIP area. None of us, none of us here deserve anything that Jesus has done for us. So none of us can deserve it more or deserve it less than anybody else who sat here or anybody else who sat at home. None of us can count ourselves out of this belonging or feel like others belong a little bit more than we do. And equally, none of us can feel superior to others. So, because our belonging is tied up to our baptism rather than to our actions, what we belong to isn't a group of nice people trying their very best to be as nice as they possibly can, um, to try and impress God, or probably just as importantly, trying to impress each other. We don't belong by trying really hard to be something new. We've been made into something new. C.S. Lewis puts it like this. He says that we're not a field of grass. So with our lawns, we desperately try to keep them trimmed as short as we possibly can, mostly so the neighbours don't feel like we're letting the street down. Um, And then we often always find, a couple of weeks later, it needs doing again. We have to constantly keep our grass trimmed as short as possible. We try and trim out as much as we possibly can. And we can approach the Christian life like that, constantly trying really hard to cut out as much of our old selves as possible, only to find a couple of weeks later, it needs cutting out again. Um, Instead, what C.S. Lewis says is that we've been turned into an entirely new crop. Rather than staying as grass and needing to constantly cut out our old selves, um, we've been transformed into a field of wheat. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, um, verse 17, so a little bit 
earlier on in the letter we've just read, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. What we belong to isn't a group of people who are being judged by the neatness and the tidiness of our appearances or our appearance, but of our new creation, an enormous field of wheat of people who don't deserve God's grace, but we're given it anyway. We belong because we've been saved and been born again, not because of who we are, where we're from, what we're like, how well we're doing. So we can't say that we don't belong because we're not good enough or because our faces don't feel like they fit. I think what Josh brought about feeling condemned can affect lots of us, can't it? It can really impact us. There's constantly that voice saying, we don't fit, we're not quite good enough, you're not quite as good as that person. Our belonging doesn't come from the fact that we fit or because we're doing a really good job. Our belonging comes from one thing, and that's being baptised, being saved by Jesus. So, what does it look like to belong to this body? How does someone who is part of this, what does, it, what does someone who's part of this body look like? Um, well, by des- describing how it includes feet, hands, ears, eyes, Jews, Greeks, slaves, free... Paul makes it really, really clear that what being part of this body looks like is actually all sorts of different things, all sorts of completely different things. Belonging in the church comes not from the world's way of finding more people who are like us or finding people who've got something in common to us, but it's from realising that actually we are part of a beautiful collage of new men. All the same but all completely different. We all get to play our own unique role that actually nobody else can play. Um, But we also get to benefit from the unique roles that everybody else is playing. If we try to operate on our own, we reduce our own effectiveness. Um, But we also reduce the effectiveness of the church as a whole. You need the church, uh, but equally, the church needs you. Um, by using this metaphor, Paul, metaphor of the body, Paul illustrates the interdependence of all these different parts so clearly. If you've ever injured a small part of your body, you will know how reliant the rest of your body is on that one tiny part. So last summer, I broke my big toe. Um, I still had nine perfectly healthy toes um, that worked really, really well, but With just one toe not working properly, one toe broken, walking was really, really difficult. It was really, really painful. What Paul makes it clear in this illustration is that every single part of the body is essential. We can't count ourselves out or decide that we're going to take a back seat um, because each and every one of us has a really crucial role to play that would be sorely missed if we weren't here. Um, And this diversity helps to paint a picture of what Jesus is like. Um, C.S. Lewis again um, says this in Mere Christianity. He says, There is so much of him that millions and millions of little Christs, all different, will still be too few to express him fully. I'll read that again because when I read that the first time, I read it about three or four times because I think it's an amazingly beautiful idea of what the church is like there is so much of him that millions and millions of little Christs all different will still be too few to express him fully 
said, I think that's just an amazing picture of what church is like and what church is. Do we realise that that is what we are, little Christ? That just by being us, we're painting a little picture, a little part of the picture of what Jesus is like. It's really easy to get down on ourselves, to put other people up on a pedestal and think there's no way I could possibly show anything of Jesus um, that they've not already seen. But Paul makes it really clear that this isn't the case. He says in verses 21 and 22 of what we just read, he says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. We don't belong to a body that is made up of or based around a few wise, mature people who are trying to help the others along, but a body where every part has a crucial and unique role to play, and each part is reliant on the others. I wonder, when we look around at others, do we view each other in that way? When we sign up for a new life group, do we realize that what we're signing up to is spending time with a group of people who can each portray a unique and different side to Jesus that maybe we hadn't seen before? Do we look at our brothers and sisters as little Christs and try and notice the picture of Christ that they're painting for us? The side of him that we might not have seen otherwise or that we wouldn't have seen if we only surrounded ourselves by, with people who are just like us. I know when I've been at life groups, it always astounds me when someone just points something out, that I've, maybe from a passage that I've read a hundred times or heard a thousand, and then someone just says something, and you just like, wow, I've never thought of it like that. And we get that from being around people who are different to us. Now, this diversity isn't just something that is a nice thing to do, ticks a good diversity box, it's not just a politically correct thing to do, so that everyone feels involved, but actually can also be really powerful. I read a book um, on this recently, it's called uh, Rebel Ideas uh, by an author called Matthew Syed. Um, and in the book, he gives loads of examples of how different companies and government organizations and sports teams um, are starting to realize the power of this diversity. Not just because it's the morally right thing to do, but actually because it's a much more powerful way of working in a team. And he uses these diagrams that I think illustrate the power of diversity really nicely. So hopefully they're going to pop up on our screen. So um, hopefully it'll pop up soon. Um, so with the first diagram is, here's David. Okay? So David's a really bright guy. He knows lots of stuff. He understands the value of team. So he, but he knows that on his own, he can't achieve that much. So he decides to employ some other people. So here's his team that he creates. Um, now, David wants a team that he's going to get on with. So he employs lots of people that are just like him. Um, people who have got similar interests to him, people who've got similar skills to him. He thinks his team's going to get on really well. Um, and they'll work really well as a team. But the trouble is with this, with this team is that his team have all got similar knowledge. They've all got similar understanding of things. So actually together, they've got lots of shared knowledge. So there's lots of stuff in the space that you can see on the outside that they don't know. Um, their collective intelligence actually isn't that much greater than David's on its own. It's slightly bigger, but not that much bigger than David's because most of them know similar stuff to what David knows. Now, Syed argues that David would be much better off employing a team like this one. 
So here's his team. This is one where people's experience and knowledge and skills overlaps a little bit. Um, but their collective intelligence is much greater. They've actually come from a variety of different backgrounds, different knowledge, different skills. And their collective intelligence together, all the things that they know between them as a team, is far greater. Now, Matthew Syed writes about this as if he's made a great new breakthrough, as if he's discovered this great new knowledge um, that's going to change the world. But really, this picture that we see at the end is the picture of the church that Paul's painting. This is knowledge that's been around for 2,000 years. Sometimes we might feel, um, when we're thinking about church, we might feel like we want to be that first image of David. Just work on our own, work out our relationship with God on our own. Or maybe we just want to work out with work our relationship out with people who are like us, like that second image. People who work in a similar way to us, um, have got similar interests to us. But God's design for the church is far higher than that. He wants us to belong to a diverse body, full of people from all walks of life, because he knows that that is the best for us. That that is the best way of seeing a wider and more fully developed image of him. And the best way for us to show the world what he is like. We surround ourselves just with people that are like us. That people, people will think that the church is just made. That Jesus is just like one or two of us. A diverse picture of the church shows a bit more of the diversity of God. So... Belonging to this body involves playing a part in a beautiful concoction of all sorts of different gifts and passions and traits that when it comes together starts to paint some of the beautiful complexity and diversity of its creator. But what should our attitude to being part of this body be? Well, verse 25, Paul says this. He says, each of you should have an equal concern for each other. Belonging to this body is about, as much about what we can do for others as it is about what we can get out of it ourselves. He says something similar to the Philippian church in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 5. He says this, he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Belonging to this body is completely countercultural. Rather than being a part of a body where we're looking out for what we can get out of it, we belong to a body that is looking out for each other. Now, we've already seen that we have our own unique contribution to play, um, to, that we can bless others, and we can't count ourselves out from being able to do that. It's not just blessing other people isn't just for the super-Christians or the leadership team, or the really mature people. Everyone's got a role to play. What we're called to be is to be body-driven, not self-driven. So we're motivated by blessing the body, not blessing ourselves. I wonder what that might look like for you, and the decisions we make about how we relate to one another. I know for me, I've found, as I've been preparing this, this is a really challenging area um, and one that I've thought about for a lot. So, how would it impact us? Say, for example, on a Tuesday night, you've got back from a busy day at work and you're thinking about whether to go to life group or not. Are we thinking about whether someone might miss out on being blessed by the unique way we see a particular Bible verse? 
or um, by listening, but or just by us being there to listen how their week's been, um, or by us being there to pray for them. Or are we thinking, are we thinking, no, sorry, are we thinking I'm a hand and the feet in my group might need a hand today? Or are we just thinking, I'm feeling a bit tired, I'm not sure I'll bother? When it's time for teas and coffees uh, in a few minutes, or breakout rooms if you're at home, are we thinking, I've got other things to be getting on with, they're a bit more important, or are we thinking, I wonder if I'll get the chance to bless someone if I stay around? What about using the spiritual gifts that God gives us? When we turned up this morning, or when we turned our laptops on this morning, were we asking God to give us a verse or a picture that might bless someone, um, to share with someone from the front, or just to share with someone individually, or were we thinking, was our focus more me-driven? Were we thinking about what we're going to get out this morning? I hope the band choose some good songs. Um, I hope there's lots of drumming. Um, I hope the preacher's all right. I apologize. Um, (laughs) Are we thinking about ourselves or are we thinking about the ways that we can bless other people? Are we thinking about what we're going to get out of the morning or are we thinking about what we can do to help other people? So, as I finish then, um, we're called to be a body of believers with Jesus as the head rather than out there trying to survive on our own. This body is not a group of people who are all trying really hard to impress God, but a group of people who realize they need a savior and have recognized that because of what he did on the cross, that Jesus is that savior. The body we're part of is a beautifully diverse body where everyone, every single person, has their own unique and essential role to play and one where we all benefit from being around each other. So... um, I thought the best way of us finishing um, was just to do something that I've really, really enjoyed doing um, a couple of times I've been here in person. And actually, when we've been at home and watching, is still special. So I thought it would just be a brilliant way to show our belonging, show us all together. And we're going to finish by standing and singing um, to our amazing God. So if the band could quickly um, make their way to the front... Um, let's just celebrate being part of that body um, by singing together um, worshipping our amazing diverse God together um, and why don't we as we're singing why don't you look around and just thank God for the picture of him that you're seeing from all the different people that are around you right thank you band